0: Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of the Cool Sword Podcast. You know, generally, we sit down with members of the Divine Nine, primarily women, but today we are talking about women, and joining us today is a man who is specialized in helping women, particularly black women. Dr. John Littman is joining us today to talk a lot about fibroids and what he is doing in his practice to make sure black women in particular live a full life. Dr. Littman, thank you so much for joining the Cool Sword Podcast. And I see you have your pink on.
1: I like that. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to represent.
0: Yes, he is representing. Of course, we represent all of the ladies across the Divine Nine. I am a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, so I appreciate the love that you are sharing with us today. Let's talk a little bit about you and how you even started your practice. I want to know your background first, and then we'll get into what you are doing to help the lives of so many women.
1: Well, I went to medical school at Georgetown, did my radiology residency at Harvard. Then I did a fellowship in interventional radiology, which is a specialty within radiology, to treat women, um, as we're gonna talk about, um, at Yale. And then I came to Atlanta about 32 years ago. um, And I've been practicing here ever since. Uh, My practice is the Atlanta Fibroid Center, so we treat women that are suffering with fibroids completely without any surgery whatsoever. It gets the relief of symptoms they're looking for. They avoid the risks and long recovery of an operation. And importantly, and often very underappreciated, they get to keep all their parts. They right. keep their uterus, which is huge.
0: Yeah, so what? just talk about how you even discovered this particular procedure.
1: Well, I didn't discover the actual, the actual procedure was discovered in France Um, and by accident, as a lot of things in medicine are discovered accidentally. I had been treating, and along with a lot of other people, treating cancerous tumors uh, by blocking the blood flow to the tumors. It makes it an easier surgery for the tumor to be removed by a surgeon. Less anesthetic time, no blood loss, very easy. So someone got the bright idea in France, why don't we embolize benign fibroids prior to hysterectomy. Mm. It made sense. It made it an easier surgery because fibroids are very vascular too. So the group in France started doing this in the early 1990s. And they what they discovered was the, the system in France, the healthcare system, is unlike what's going on in this yes, country. It's right. socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's rationed healthcare. So you can't just get a procedure done, particularly if it's elective, as this was, the hysterectomy was elective, they'd get their embolization and they'd go home and they'd wait six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks for their elective hysterectomy. Unlike in this country, you just have it same day, next day. Uh, But they were waiting because it's rationed, socialized medicine. So they were waiting for all this time, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Their symptoms started going away. Mm -hmm. And the women were calling up their gynecologist saying, I feel great. Do I need that second part? Do I need the hysterectomy because my symptoms are gone? Wow. And when they looked at it, the answer was no, you didn't need the second part. All you needed was the embolization. And I was presenting uh, data on embolizing cancerous tumors in Chicago at the same time that the first guy that was doing fibroid embolization in this country was presenting his data because the guy in France, his best friend, was the chief of OBGYN at UCLA. Okay. And he said, get the interventional radiologist on this. And Scott Goodwin, who presented the first 11 cases, we were at the same you know, presentation, and the light bulb went off for me. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do now. I'm in Atlanta. I could help so many women, and I've been doing them ever since, and I have the largest experience worldwide now in this procedure called uterine fibroid embolization, UFE.
0: Yes, so let's go back, before we dive into uterine fibroid emboliz- embolization, did I say it right? You did. You're, okay, okay, great. Uh, let's jump back. Why are so many women, particularly black women, suffering mm-hmm. from fibroids? 80%? Yes,
1: at least. At least. Yeah, well, it, it's a multifactorial. Um, Unfortunately, and we can talk about some of this, we don't know where fibroids come from. And that's really due to a serious lack in research and a huge disparity. And we can talk about that separately. But So we don't know where fibroids come from, but once they arrive on the scene, they grow with estrogen. Mm -hmm. And so estrogen is stored and produced in body fat. And in general, African-American women have more body fat than other racial groups. Asian women have the lowest body fat, lowest incidence racially of fibroids. But that's not the whole story because there's a lot of other factors. Genetically, it runs stronger in African-American families. Vitamin D is really big. Wow. Vitamin D is actually a hormone. It's not really a vitamin. But vitamin D is the most powerful anti-fibroid growth substance that we know of. And if you have a normal vitamin D, you are very unlikely to be suffering with fibroids. Only 10% of african-american men or women have adequate vitamin d and the darker the pigment of the skin the harder it is to absorb and to get adequate vitamin d so um, what we try to do is you can't control the genetics you can't pick your parents but we try to get people to try to lose excess body fat Mm -hmm. make healthier eating choices there's a lot of hormones in the food try to limit or eliminate red meat non-organic chicken dairy eat more colored fruits and vegetables which have flavonoids in them which block an important enzyme in estrogen production. Make sure your vitamin D is adequate. If not, supplement as necessary. Um, Try to be as close to your ideal body weight. There are a number of things that you can do that will make your fibroid symptoms either manageable or maybe even eliminated?
0: So I do want to, in all transparency, I feel like uh, I do have a, an important platform. And I want to let my viewers and followers and people who have followed the Rashawn Ali brand and also the CoolSore podcast that I do not suffer from fibroids. And um, I've had a really, really healthy reproductive life. Uh, so, But I do feel like this is my responsibility to be able to share this type of knowledge with women uh, worldwide, so I just wanted to make that disclaimer as well. Dr. Littman a lot of people will say, well, what is this guy? I mean, what does he really want? And I'm sure that you've been faced with that type of scrutiny because let's, let's talk about it. It's real. It's, it's, it's about race when it comes down to, thi- yep. to so many things. It's like, who is this guy trying to say he has the, the magic thing for these black women? Right. I'm sure you face that. And what do you do to um, kind of battle that or buffer that or rebuttal those
1: type of sentiments. Well, I mean, it, it's it's definitely is real, and uh, some of some of a big part of that is because of our horrible history in how we've treated women of color, particularly when it comes to their uterus. Um, you don't have to go d- into depth, but there's the Fannie Lou Hamers, yes. and the Mississippi appendectomies, and so we're in the South. Henrietta Lacks, all of that. Correct. Yes. yes. So you know, that's that's real, and that's our history, and that's something that. I am very cognizant of, and I want, when patients come to me, I want them, you know, one thing that's never failed me in the 32 years of practice is, I treat every patient like they're my mom, my sister, my wife, my daughter, and I think it resonates with them. Mm -hmm. I think they they see that, they see that I wanna help them. And so, um, not only do I wanna help them, I realize I serve women, and I serve women primarily, African-American women, women Mm -hmm. of color, I am out in the community a lot. Yes, you are. Um, And so, (laughs) um, you know, they can see what I've, you know, felt. I feel a responsibility as a business in the community. I feel a responsibility to that community. And I I think that I've done quite a bit. I've set up a number of scholarships uh, at Morehouse School of Medicine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've financed uh, research in pancreatic cancer for a really good friend of mine, Simon Baby, who passed away yes, from pancreatic yes, cancer. Yes. Um, i given a lot to Hosea, helped feed the hungry, got them in their new building. So I do a lot of philanthropic efforts that I feel my heart's drawn to yes. to, to try to help where I can. I'm only one person, but I help when I can do that, and I, I do. I feel a strong responsibility, um, and hopefully the patients that come to see us realize You know that background, and realize that I do care, and that I'm trying to help them, and I'm really invested in the community.
0: Yeah, and and recently you uh, were at Tuskegee, our one of our amazing HBCUs, and uh, talking about your procedure and and women in general and fibroids. And then you had a couple of women come up to you afterwards saying, "Hey, I'm in my." 30s And my doctor said I needed to have a hysterectomy. So they li- their lives are completely changed because they got that one person yep. that told them they need to go ahead and just take everything out. And they did yep. without a second opinion. Can you speak to those women who are hearing that? Because yep. my mother in 1992 heard the same thing, yep. got a hysterectomy, which forced her into menopause early, very early. And I was 17 years old, never got a second opinion.
1: Yep. The average age of hysterectomy in this country is less than 40. And the women that you mentioned, mentioned that I saw at Tuskegee three of them all under 30 had already had the hysterectomy they were in their late 20s none of them wanted it but they were suffering so badly with the heavy bleeding and the pain and this monthly you know, misery that they had to go through. I mean, what women go through when they're suffering with fibroids is is incredible to me. Not only the physical things that they go through, because, you know, the bleeding is so heavy, they get anemic, they're tired, they're weak, because they've lost so much blood that they can't replace, but it's the mental aspect. These women commonly were maybe the only woman in the workplace. They're working with other men that don't understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And they feel a responsibility not to let them down because not only do they not want to look bad, let's say, for themselves, they're looking at the next hire. I'm representing not only women, but women of color. They're not going to hire another woman or, or another woman, woman of, of color, color. if right. I don't push through. Right. I mean, this, so there's a physical and a mental thing that goes with it.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. I have friends. I would say out of 10 of my friends, uh, seven of them suffer from um, fibroids. Uh, One in particular during a homecoming event, I didn't know what was going on, literally had a bleed out at a, a homecoming event. And I didn't know what was going on, but she had to sit there until her husband got there to help her. So people don't even understand What's going on? So when it happens, and I mean, we got to be raw here when 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 the bleed out happens, yeah. what what is actually happening in some women, and there's no there's no
1: warning right. They, these women will suddenly they'll bleed heavily each month and they'll think that they've got it under control. They'll wear the biggest pads possible, double up on them, wear period panties depends, and they think they got everything under control, and it's still the amount of blood can be so much that it just overwhelms everything and runs down their legs. Um, But, yeah, and and that's important for men to understand. So, you know, not only when we talk to women, we commonly are all over the country talking about this to women, we we love it when men come out to the events because men really don't understand about women's periods.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why aren't a lot of OBGYNs, like, offering this type of knowledge to women uh, when they come in knowing that this procedure is available to many of their patients? What does it come down
1: to? It comes down to a couple things. One, it comes down to the fact that we're de- OBGYNs are surgeons. And I've never met a surgeon that didn't love to operate. And all they feel is everything they are trained is cutting, 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 operating. And so that's their mindset from the... Not get-go. all of them, right? Not Pretty all of them. <laughs> a, a significant number <laughs> okay, of them. okay. And then it comes down to financially. I mean, some of them see... What I do is is threatening. It's a very, it's a disruptive technology, if you will, and replaces the second most common surgery done in the United States. And so this could help a lot of women, but at the same time, the gynecologists are thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I rely on this income, you know, you know, to do what I do. Um, And so it can be very threatening for some, but women are entitled to know all the options. They're entitled to know all the treatment options, the pros and cons, the risks and benefits, and then they make the decision. That's not what's happening. They go to their gynecologist suffering with fibroids, and they get one option. And they'll say, yeah, anything else? Nope. Um, And particularly if they're done having their kids. I hear that all the time. Well, my gynecologist told me I didn't need my uterus anymore because I'm not interested in children or not interested in more children. That's ridiculous. Your uterus is really important for a lot of other things besides childbearing. Mm-hmm. So um, UFE replaces hysterectomy. And, and any woman that's been told she needs a hysterectomy for fibroids almost assuredly is a candidate for UFE. So there's a lot of myths surrounding it. Um, it. It will treat any number and size fibroids. Fibroids are not too big or too many. It's, this procedure UFE is covered by all insurances. So that's not an issue. Um, It just isn't being told and needs to be. Right. Can you break down what exactly is UFE? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what that means? UFE, uterine fibroid embolization, or some people call it uterine artery embolization, U-A-E, same procedure. Basically, the access is either at the top of the right leg or in the left wrist, um, and we, we take a piece of a catheter like a piece of spaghetti and we steer it under x-ray guidance into the uterine arteries one at a time. There's a uterine artery on each side of the uterus um, and it branches like a tree getting smaller and smaller branches to get out to the leaves. The fibroids are the leaves of the tree and I know what size those small branches are and I can plug them up. So the big trunk and the main branches of the uterus stay open. The uterus is alive, and I've had numerous children after UFE, multiple sets of twins, and our births are vaginal, whereas if you have the surgical myomectomy, you're getting C-section. But um, So you can knock out all the fibroids um, all at once, so typically it's a one-time procedure. It takes about 30 minutes or so. Um, they recover for several hours at our center, and they go home literally with a Band-Aid at the top of their... Right leg, where we go in. That's it, a band aid. Mm-hmm. Recover at home for about five days. So, there are a couple of procedures where
0: women say, Well, I got this procedure done, but my fibroids came back. Mm-hmm. Does your procedure, what is the guarantee that the fibroids won't come back? Or is there a
1: guarantee? Well, it's very unusual for them to come back, but if they're young, I mean, if they're over 40, 40 um, is young, but if they're, over, if they're in their 40s, it's usually a one-and-done because it knocks out all the fibroids, and before they could ever grow new ones, they're in menopause, which usually ends the fibroid saga for women. Okay. But if you're young, if you're in your 30s, say, late 20s, you have a longer time horizon, you could grow new fibroids, but I would still say in that rare, unusual circumstance, two UFEs is still way better than one surgery. Mm-hmm. But if you compare it to, say, myomectomy, the surgical Um, procedure done for women interested in fertility, that has a very high recurrence rate because you can't surgically cut out all the fibroids. It's just, you wouldn't have a uterus left. So they they know they leave behind fibroids that are alive after surgery. Mm -hmm. And some of the unfortunate women, they take out, try to take out too many and they end up taking a hysterectomy. But the ones that wake up with their uterus, they all have living fibroids in there whereas none of the patients for UFE should have any living fibroids. Okay. We knocked them all out. Right. So the ones that are alive after surgery, they're going to grow. So the recurrence rate for myomectomy is about 11% per year. Okay. That means over half the women will need something within five years, okay. Okay. whereas UFE, most likely, if they're in their 40s, never. Wow. One wow. and done.
0: That's good. So what what can we do to, like, change, I guess, conversations like this, Yes. Uh, what else do we need to do to make women more aware of this particular procedure and the benefits of it?
1: Well, I think to the start is, as you say, it's increasing conversations. There's a lot of stigma and shame around p- women's periods, and we could stop that. I mean, you know, uh, we, at the Atlanta Fibroid Center, where we are, we try to help with the period poverty aspect. There's that aspect to it. But then there's kind of the in my family, we don't talk about periods. Well, we got to really try to end the shame and stigma of talking about it. As I mentioned, men need to know about women's periods because there's a, commonly, there are going to be women in your life, uh, most likely, and um, you need to know about this stuff. So increasing the conversations, women amongst each other. So we're out at sorority groups and women's um, health groups We're we're talking to any women's group that will listen just so they'll have the information. Information is power. The more information you have, the better informed choice you can make because you're typically only going to get one choice now. Mm -hmm. But if you know about these other choices, then you can pick what's best for you and make the best informed decision. What are the risks of of your Mm -hmm. particular procedure? Well, any procedure has risks, but obviously the risk of a procedure where they're going home the same day with a Band-Aid pales in comparison to to the risks of cutting you Mm -hmm. open. And the cuts can be pretty significant, either horizontally, hip to hip, like a C-section, or if the uterus, which is commonly above the belly button, they'll go vertically breastbone vertically all the way down to pubic hairline. It's big-time surgery. Our patients get a band-aid, but there are two risks that women need to know about. One is there are some women that don't menstruate ever again after the UFE. Now, I've never seen that happen in anybody under 40, but as you get above 40, you can start to see it. 40 to 45, about 1 to 2 percent. 46 to 49, 5 to 10 percent. And when you get over 50, about 20 percent. So those women... Usually are laughing when I'm talking to them as a risk Mm -hmm. because they're not interested in fertility and they're having horrible bleeding and they're like, "Uh, "I hope that's me" kind of thing. It's not a risk at all, but uh, I explain that risk to them. The other risk: about five percent of women will temporarily pass some fibroid material vaginally, and it's okay. It's totally fine. It's just they just need to know that that could happen, so they're not. Freaked out about
0: it. Yeah, uh, so many women have had this procedure done. A lot of women in the Divine Nine and others, of course. But sure. when we continue this conversation, I want to make sure that we get every. A rep, I'm sure because you've you've done so many procedures on women across uh, all of our sororities. So definitely want to have their hands on experience with you. But what's your last piece of advice to uh, women who are suffering, who have been told that they have no other option? Uh, what would you say to them right now if you, if they were coming yeah. to you or had the opportunity to come to you or a similar doctor to get this procedure?
1: Well, a couple things. One is nobody knows your body better than you, so if you're going with concerns and you're not being listened to, or you feel you're, you know, I'm, you're talking about your periods and the doctor's not listening to you, you're being dismissed. Oh, well, you've been doing that for a long time. That's just your normal. No, if you're bleeding such that it interferes with your quality of life, it doesn't matter what your hemoglobin level is, it doesn't matter what your doctor says, that is not normal no matter how long you've been doing it and that needs to be corrected. So if you're feeling dismissed or not listened to, find another doctor, that's what I would say first. Second, no matter what your doctor says, no woman has to have a hysterectomy for fibroids, no matter what he or she tells you. You don't have, it's an option, But in my opinion, it should be the option of absolute last resort because fibroids, while they cause miserable symptoms or can, they're benign. They're not cancerous. So essentially, why are we amputating young black women for benign disease? It's totally unnecessary. It's an option, but it should be the option of last resort, not the first and only option that's given.
0: Before we ask you for your information, how people can get in touch with you, how early should we be having these conversations? Have two teenage girls who... You know, are menstruating, yep. and some, you know, couple of every every now and then they'll have a heavy one. How soon should we be having these conversations, and how do we determine if we're suffering from fibroids at an earlier age?
1: Yeah, well, I think the conversation should begin now. You have teenage daughters; they're old enough to understand about their periods. They already know probably stuff about it. It's important that they know about fibroids and know you know fibroids are the most common reason why women have abnormally heavy periods. And so it is something that should be discussed with them. Um, And also what's normal? Because as I mentioned, sometimes women bleed heavily for a long time and they think it's their normal just because they've been doing it for so long. If you have to use more than a pad at a time or you're changing a pad more frequently than every three or four hours or you're getting episodes of blood gushing out or flooding or passing big clots um, blood running down your legs, or you're afraid to sit on your girlfriend's couch or sleep without plastic sheets. I mean, all those things are abnormally heavy. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. So recognize first what's abnormally heavy, and then seek out options of why am I doing this? And if it's fibroids, UFE is tremendous. It's an absolutely phenomenal procedure, but unfortunately, you almost have to know about it because most gynecologists won't mention it to you. And that's a shame because women are entitled to know all the options, not just the surgical ones.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'm glad that we can do that. And you mentioned some of the things that we can do health-wise to shrink some of the fibroids and kind of prevent, you know, having to even have a procedure. So I'm glad you mentioned that early on. How can people get in touch with you to find out more information if they are suffering, mm-hmm. if they just need an ear, or to continue the process of having this particular procedure?
1: Well, I'm easy to find, uh, thanks to social media and the internet. Um, We have a website, ATLII.com. It stands for Atlanta Interventional Institute. That's the parent company of Atlanta Fibroid Center. So ATLII.com. We have an Instagram page, which people really like. It's very visual. Uh, DR underscore, my last name, DR underscore L-I-P-M-A-N. They'll see a recent thing I did with Damon John from Shark Tank. He was very nice and wants to do his part and help spread the word. Um, We also have a YouTube channel. If they want to watch me do an entire UFE procedure, 30 minutes. Wow! I talk all the way through it. We don't cut anything out. We went from beginning to end, nothing edited. You can watch the whole thing um, on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and follow us on YouTube, it's free. It's Atlanta Fib. If you go to Atlanta Fibroid Center in YouTube, and you'll scroll, you'll see one of the videos. We have hundreds of videos on fibroids, on diet and fibroids, and health, and mostly around fibroids and the UFE procedure. But you can actually watch me do one. Wow! See, this is real right here because not everybody wants you in the room with
0: them when they're doing something like this. But I'm grateful that you are sharing this information.
1: We're uh, in fact, we're having a A medical student from Yale, um, come and watch us do a procedure this week. We have lots of gynecologists. I invite, I encourage them, hey, you know, you're going to, I hope you'll mention UFE, but if you're concerned about the procedure or don't know what to say about it, come and watch me do it. Come to our center. We will have some gynecologists come and see how, you know, what their patients would go through. It's very simple, very easy, much easier than surgery. Out the same day with a Band-Aid. Wow,
0: that's fantastic. Well, we appreciate that um, so much, and we really love the fact that you're so passionate about it. And, you know, I'll be honest. I was like, man, I I just wanted to feel real because if if I had suffered and had your procedure, it would be, you know, it would be like, oh, well, this is my doctor, but because I have not, I wanted to make sure that I'm giving our viewers, our followers, a real experience of why you're so passionate about what you do.
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad you're going to have the, um, some sorors that have had... Come on,
0: sorors! He said it!
1: You know? <laughs> so it's great because, you know, I can talk about fibroids for hours and hours and hours and bore the tears out of people, but when somebody that's actually gone through it and lived it, when they start talking about what their life was before and what their life is after UFE and how their lives are transformed, that is so much more powerful, so much more impactful than what I'm saying.
0: Right. Absolutely. So we can't wait to do that for part two of this amazing connection, our partnership. Dr. John Lippman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This has been fantastic.